If you've been with us the last few weeks, then you know that we're going through a series called Renew Year. And we started by exploring the idea in Scriptures about what it means to be renewed. How has God used in Scripture the word renew? And it's closely related to words like restore. And today we'll see that it's close to the idea of transformation. And as we've looked at this idea of renewing, we've also explored what it means to have a renewed spirit. And today we're going to look at what it means to have a renewed mind. And next week we'll finish out our series by trying to figure out what it means to have renewed strength. But one thing we realized that when we talked about having a renewed spirit is that a renewed spirit is a heart posture toward God. We looked at the story of David and his fall with Bathsheba and the sin that he had committed, and yet God never called him any less than a man after his own heart. How could this be? What we saw in Psalm 51, it's because David didn't consider himself separate from God. He knew that he could be in relationship with him, and in his relationship to God, That is how he was a man after God's own heart, despite his shortcomings. And we too renew our spirits when we are in right relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, knowing that it is through spiritual disciplines and acknowledging Him as Lord and going to Him that our spirit is renewed through the power of His Holy Spirit. But as I reflected on the passage for this week, and I reflected on the topic of a renewed mind, I couldn't help but be confronted by my own failures of thought. How often my behavior and actions follow the way that I have thought that I would do something for my own benefit. How I failed to live up to God's standard of action and behavior. If I'm honest, as I was thinking about this, I wasn't just confronted with the failure of my own behavior and actions. I was confronted with a very specific thing that had happened in the last month. You see... I am a gossip. (laughs) Nobody wants to admit that, but it's true. It's true. I was confronted by the fact that just recently, I was having a conversation with a friend about one thing, and very quickly that conversation turned into a conversation not about me or not about the thing that that person was going through, but it started to become a conversation about somebody else. And I started talking about that somebody else and maybe not the best of light. It very quickly became a conversation of gossip, talking about somebody else behind their back without their knowledge and without their permission to be talking about that very thing. 
And here's the thing. The person I was talking about was a very close friend of mine. I had every intention of every word that I was going to say to be honorable. And it was supposed to come across as like the heart of prayer. Because, y'all, that's what we do, right? We pray for people. But if we're going to pray for people, we've got to let somebody else know, right? Like somebody else has to know what that person needs prayer for. We've all done it. It's the Southern way. Bless their heart. They just need some prayer. Here, let me tell you. And everything that intends to have this like good meaning behind it quickly turns and devolves into, let me just tell you about their problems. Did you hear about so-and-so doing so-and-so? Oh my gosh. But as I thought about this moment of conviction, as I was thinking about this very topic, I realized that, that all I could think about is how much I wanted to talk about this other issue, this other problem going on. It essentially consumed me. And I know that Scripture is very clear that to be a gossip is to be against the very thing that God loves. I mean, in some ways, gossip seems very minute and kind of small and harmless. I mean, I'm... but what if, what if this person that I was talking about, this dear friend, this close friend of mine, found out that I had been talking about them behind their back in an area that they hadn't given me permission to talk about? Would that have hurt them? Would it have hurt their opinion of me? Would it have made me an unsafe space for them to share their hurts and their struggles? Would it have, would it have shown them that I'm not trustworthy and to be a confidant with the very thing that really they needed to talk about? I had become less than a friend. And in a very deep way, I could have not just hurt my relationship with this person, but I could have even rattled their faith because they had seen me as somebody that they could trust with spiritual authority in their life. Being convicted by this, I was very, very... Confronted by the fact that I had to tell them. And that's never an easy thing. But I did. But the point is, how many of us have fallen into that trap? Have fallen into the trap where our behaviors and our actions don't always follow up with what we know, but our mind decides to do it anyway. Maybe we found ourselves in a similar position starting to talk about somebody behind their back where we thought that it was all innocent and good and it was fine and we're just telling somebody else about them and maybe every intention was for it to be a moment where we wanted to pray for that person afterwards and yet we weren't really given permission to talk about that. I mean, gossip is just a small example of how our behaviors and actions and our mind don't always line up with the things that God has called us to, but maybe you're prone to little white lies. I love that. I love that. Little white lies. They're just little. 
and they're white, so they're kind of pure, right? They're harmless lies. They're not doing any. They're not doing anything wrong. It's okay. Like, I mean, I found myself in that situation plenty of times. Maybe it was because I didn't want that person to know the truth because the truth would hurt them more than if I just kind of made something up. Or maybe you found yourself in the situation where you needed to tell that lie in order to get through a situation so that you didn't feel ashamed of the action that you had actually done. The problem with a little white lie is that it actually turns into a really big one as you try to keep up with lie after lie after lie after lie. Maybe it's something deeper. Maybe there's something deeper going in your li- in, on in your life where your, your actions and your behavior and the way that you've been thinking don't actually line up with the person that you know that you're supposed to be in Christ. Maybe it's some moral issue that you've never talked to anyone about. You've never told anyone what you've been going through. And I don't say that in a manner to, to bring shame Uh, But I say that in a manner that all of us have that darkness within us. All of us are very capable. I mean, we just look at David from last week. How is it that somebody after God's own heart allowed himself to come to a place where he would sin and fall through adultery and murder? Because sometimes, in the process of our life, as the world around us influences us, it actually changes the way in which we think, and thus the way that we actually behave. You see, our minds are influenced greatly by the things that we consume, because they're flexible and they're moldable. And they give way to that which we feed them the most. And so I really want to unpack that as we look at today's scripture. It actually comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I know it's a pretty common passage, and we've all probably heard it before. But I'm really hoping that as we look at this again, we can actually see what God's call is to us. And how we can actually renew our minds and transform ourselves. You see, Paul writes, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That sounds incredibly daunting. And yet Paul wouldn't have said it if it wasn't possible. If it wasn't something that we could actually go after and attain for ourselves in our lives. You see, actually up to this point in Romans, Paul is giving one of the most amazing theological treatises in all the world, not just in scripture, but in any religion. It is a beautiful reflection of who God is and what Jesus did for us. 
from chapter 1 through chapter 11, Paul is proving to the Romans the powerful nature of God and His work through Jesus Christ for salvation. Who we were as, as humans, who we are as human beings, and the deep need that we need for a Savior. But once he gets through telling this beautiful story of the Gospel in 11 chapters, he turns to chapter 12 and he says, Therefore I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. So because God has done all of this for you, because of who you are and the work that He did through His Son Jesus Christ for your life, here is, here is what is required of you because you have received that mercy. That you should not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul says this is what God has done. And now here I am going to tell you what you should do. You should be transformed by the renewal of your own minds. Not being conformed to this world. So first we need to address what does it mean to be conformed to this world and when he says and commands us to not be conformed by it. You know, I actually find this really difficult. This is actually a really difficult passage, a really difficult command for me to actually see and say, I can do this. Because quite frankly, I want to live in conformity. I want to look like everybody else. I want to be like everybody else. I want to do the things that everybody else gets to do. I want to conform. I want to look like everybody else in this world. And yet, Paul is saying you need to stop allowing yourself to conform. It is hard to be different, to be, to be set apart and to stand out in this world. And yet, that is exactly who he is calling us to be. And it's not just the idea of being different, of, of not conforming, of looking completely different from the world, right? Right? Because that's not actually always good. But what he's actually saying is something very interesting is that conformity comes from the same root as the word scheme. Schema. It comes from the exact same root. And where else in the Scriptures do we see this idea of scheming? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, we are reminded that the devil is scheming against us. And that is the reason we need to put on the whole armor of God. And so what Paul is really saying is, don't conform to this world where the enemy has schemed against you to prevail in you and to take you away from God. Conformity is seeing that the way that this world has started to think and act is actually a scheme of the devil. And it is our place as the people of God to recognize that we are not to conform to the schemes of the enemy, to, but to walk away from them. And so, when we walk away from the schemes of the enemy, we don't conform to the way of this world. You know, it's actually really interesting how 
This kind of works from a mind standpoint. Because when we conform, we're accepted. And when we receive acceptance and appraisal for the good things of conformity in this world, our minds actually do this thing where we get a dopamine hit that says, that was good, you like that. And what happens over time is the more approval and acceptance you receive for conformity, the more dopamine hits that you get and the more dopamine that you want. And so you literally become addicted to conforming to the way this world wants you to act and behave and think. And so it becomes easier and easier to conform because the more that you consume the things of conformity, the more addicted to it that you become. But that also includes everything that you watch influences you. Everything that you read influences influences you. Every minute you spend on social media influences you. I hate to admit it, but at one point at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, I had one day looked down at my phone and you can see how much screen time that you use in a given day. And at first I thought it was a glitch. I really honestly did. But I have to be honest, when I started looking at where my time was spent, I was saddened. But I had spent 13 hours on my phone. Eight of it was just scrolling through Instagram. I wasted eight hours in one day scrolling social media because I was just bored, because there was nothing to do. There was no work to do. I was home due to the pandemic. So I just scrolled mindlessly for hours. Probably not all in one sitting, I hope. But in some way, that started to shape my mind in the way that I thought. In fact, if I didn't recognize that and do something about it in that moment, I probably would have the very next day done the exact same thing. But I saw it and I was like, this isn't good. And so I enlisted help of friends in order to put a time limit on my phone. And that way I couldn't be on social media for another eight hours. I limited it to 10 minutes. And over the next several months, my screen time had gone from 13 hours in that one day I had gotten it all the way down to no more than an hour a day I had been spending looking at my phone. Because I didn't want to be transformed. I didn't want conformity to the world standards to affect the way that I lived my life, to the ministry that I was actually supposed to be performing. Because just because we were in a pandemic and I couldn't go into the office, that didn't mean that there weren't souls that I was responsible for and to care for. And so here's what Paul actually says. So if you're not supposed to be conformed to this world, then he actually has a positive action that you are supposed to do. And that's that you are supposed to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do we break this cycle of conformity in our lives? How do we break the schemes of the enemy against us? Well, that we would be transformed through the renewing of our minds. That by renewing the way that we think And what we think about can actually transform the way we act and behave. It's interesting that this word transform 
is only used two other places in the entire Bible. The first is at the transfiguration of Jesus on the mount. At the transfiguration of Jesus, the word that is used is the same word used here, that he was transfigured, that he was transformed right before the disciples' eyes. And so I think what that reveals is that the essence of everything that was inside of Jesus, the fullness of his divinity, in that moment was transformed to the exterior so that everyone might see who he truly was. In the same way, by renewing our minds, we are transformed so that everything that God has put inside of us might actually become externally witnessed by those around us. And then the other place that it's found in Scripture is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. That actually says this. Oh, I marked the wrong page. Figures. And I'm also in the wrong uh, Corinthians. <laughs> okay. Uh, 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the other thing that we need to recognize about this transformation is that it is a transformation that comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And that this transformation actually comes by what? From beholding the glory of the Lord. As we start to think about what it actually means to renew our mind, not just that we should do it because we're commanded to, but that how we do it is actually by beholding Christ. By beholding the things that are glorious to the Lord. The things that he has done and is doing in and through our lives, the lives of those around us and his church in his kingdom. You see, that is how God begins to unpack and change and transform us for the renewing of our mind. It is that we would be changed to the place that we would look at him and behold him for who he truly is. And as we look at him, he, through his Holy Spirit, transforms us. And so as we behold the glory of the Lord... The passage continues in Romans that it is by the testing that you may discern the will of God. So how are our minds renewed and being transformed? By knowing and beholding our God. By knowing and beholding the Lord in all that He desires. That we would know what He knows, love what He loves, hate what He hates, because he does hate sin and he does hate injustice, and that we would go where he goes. It's interesting that as we behold, as we look at what we see, 
It is what we become. In the same way that we can conform to this world by the things that we watch, the things that we read, the things that we engage in social media, it is in the same manner that our minds are renewed and transformed, not by beholding those things, but by, holding, but by beholding our Christ Jesus. So, what does that look like in practicality sense? How do we actually behold the glory of the Lord? How do we actually look at Christ? Because that's not necessarily a perfect reality for us now, right? He is seated in heavenly places. But I think Paul gives a glimpse of this in Philippians. In chapter 4, verses 8-10, through 10, he says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, this is what you need to reflect on. This is where your mind needs to go. This is how you need to behold the glory of the Lord. That you would think on whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is just. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is in any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. If you need to know what it looks like to behold Christ Jesus, it's not hard. Just reflect on the things that are honorable and true. What is true? Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's certainly true. Reflect on Him. What does Jesus look like in the Gospels? How can I read the Gospels and see who Christ is and the things that He did? What are the honorable things that you could be doing with your life? Think on those things. What does justice look like in the world around you? Reflect on those. And as you begin to reflect and focus in on the things that God says are good and acceptable and perfect, then your mind begins to do the work of changing and transforming everything that you had once wired your brain to think was acceptable in the conformity of the world, he then thinks that the brain transforms to say it's no longer acceptable and the things that are acceptable is only the will of God. And as we start to use our mind in this way, we actually begin to better discern the will of God in our lives. We begin to see what it is that God is saying and speaking in all things. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, so I actually didn't mark it wrong, I just went to the wrong marker, says this, that for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. You want to be able to discern God's will. You want to be able to know what is good and perfect and holy and acceptable. You have to be in relationship with His Holy Spirit. You have to know that His Spirit knows His thoughts. And if you ever come to a moment of doubt when you're like, well, what does God think about this? Is this the Holy Spirit that's speaking to me to say that this is what God wants me to go after? 
If you're ever in doubt, there is a place where the thoughts of God are in written form. For this was inspired by His Holy Spirit who knew His thoughts and was written down for us, perfect and infallible in every way. And as we read this, we see clearly how our mind can be shaped and renewed and transformed by looking at the things that God wants us to look at. And so the question that I have to constantly ask myself and the grace that I hope that you receive today is that are you beholding more the things of this world or are you beholding more the things of God? Are you allowing yourself to be transformed in the renewal of your mind because you're spending more time with Him or are you allowing the world to conform you and shape you because you spend more time with it? Because as we begin this process of renewal, as we begin to spend more time with Jesus, more than just what we do on a Sunday, but everything that plays out in the other 166 hours of our week, that's how we begin to be transformed for the purpose of God in this world. And if each and every one of us renewed our minds for transformation, not only would we transform as individuals, we would transform as a church. And as we transform as a church, then that which was in us becomes externally visible to those around us. And they can't help but see that something is different. Some of my favorite testimonies are when people become Christians and people that knew them before and then see them after, actually can see that a demeanor has changed on them, that they physically look different. And the only answer to that transformation and change can only be and always will be Jesus. And so for us, as the community of God, as we step into this new year, let us renew our minds, be beholding the only one that can change us and transform them our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that You are the Lord that changes and transforms. God, that You have made a way that our minds might be renewed in a world where they are constantly being bombarded by ads and social media, by television and news and everything that we read, God. Let us turn away from those things and reflect more and see more the things that You have said are lovely and commendable and honorable and just. God, that we would think on the things that You have said are pure and excellent. God, that we would want to spend more time beholding the glory of the Lord than we would spend beholding this world. Allowing ourselves to be changed and transformed into tools of the enemy, but instead we would become the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.